The Build to Burn podcast is in no way affiliated with any organization that indulges in burning things, nor is the podcast affiliated with any organization that refers to burning in its name. Burnout Podcast presents... This is a podcast about people who have chosen the path of designing, building, and burning large-scale artwork. The people on this podcast are very aware of the dangerous aspects of their work and take every precaution to protect those who interact with it. Unless otherwise noted, they are by no means professionals. Don't believe anything they say, and don't try this at home. That being said, let's meet some people who build to burn. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today, I'm talking to Antoine Lee. He's the artist behind the Solar Shrine, a burn this year at the 2022 Burning Man Waking Dreams. Antoine, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm so excited to hear about your journey that motivated you to come to Burning Man, motivated you to build this piece, and uh, the philosophy and the technology behind the entire process. So Antoine, so tell us about uh, your background. What, what, uh, what in your history fits in with this uh, audacious act of building this amazing sculpture? Uh, Scott, thanks for inviting me to be, uh, you know, on your, your podcast or whatnot. So I am from Chicago, Illinois. And I grew up in Chicago. Um, I'm a, an architect, a licensed architect. I practice architecture professionally full time. Uh, now, you know, I'm an artist part time as well. Um, but the Solar Shrine for me is like, you know, pretty much an, it's, it's art and it's architecture combined. So to start off talking about how did I get involved in, in the burner community? Um, several years ago, I met a, a friend of mine and he went to Burning Man every year. He'd been going for a, a number of years. And I was like, you know, I want to like understand the, you know, I want to go to Burning Man. And he told me that the best way to actually understand the Burning Man culture is to go to regional events. So I started going to regional events and met some, met up with some people. They were great people. And now uh, many of those people, were, they were on my team. You're building it in Chicago. And, you know, we started making art together. We made some effigies for regional burns. And then um, we also made um, some other art projects for local, like, you know, nonprofit events. They've got like this, this uh, event in Chicago that happens pretty much at the end of February, early March. It's called Shadidari, where they, everyone like builds like, they decorate these carts and then they race the carts to a neighborhood in Chicago and then and collect food, canned goods. And then they donate those canned goods and they even raise money. I think like this past year, they raised over well over a hundred thousand dollars, maybe $140,000. And I know that it's during amazing. the pandemic, they raised six figures too. So we start, yeah. So we started to, you know, do our projects for that. And let me mention also that Shadidarod um was started by burners i was mm. told it was started by burners mm. um, 
yeah, in Chicago. So, That's um, so, th- so yeah, we started making art, um, like that, and then that got the ball rolling. And then I was like, you know, I'm an architect. You know, why don't we build a bigger scale project at Burning Man? And they were like, yeah, man, we've never, you know, done a project out of Burning Man, you know, on the big level. They did a, they did a, a core project some years ago when, when Burning Man had the core grant, which was smaller. But then what I was proposing, which was, you know, much larger because I had also been um, really invested in research and I still do uh, curating Afrofuturism events and things like that. I'm really big into African history. And so I really wanted to merge, you know, mythology, cosmology, Afrofuturism, art and architecture together. And so that's how the Solar Shrine came about. And it also came about because I wanted to build like these pop-up structures in in any city neighborhoods in Chicago, take them around and then have like these meditation sessions and make like these shrine structures that people could place flowers in for people who passed away or kids were murdered or things like that as a place, a center for people to deal with their trauma. And that's actually what was the genesis of the type of project the Silla Shrine was, was it's about like pop-up architecture. And so Burning Just as a quick note. So, I mean, what what you're describing there really uh, resonates with kind of the mission of the, the temple at Burning Man. So I'm curious if, you had had conversations with people about um, a communal space for addressing trauma. Um, was that, had, had, had you come to that through discussions with other burners? Because that's something that's really core to the, the you know, the Burning Man experience. Or is that something that you had recognized uh, independently of those kinds of conversations? That was something I recognized independently because, Amazing. you know, living in Chicago, that's what you see every day. You see murders, you see, you know, gunshot victims and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's definitely needed. And it's something I really, really um, want, wanted to do, want to do. Um, one of the things that we're continuing um, is to do, you know, take, do more outreach. Not everything, you know, from Burning Man was, was left out, you know, was burned. We have remnants, like we have the solar bark. We also mm-hmm. have a third scale gateway um, mm-hmm. that we built and we took the love burn, which is a regional event. Mm-hmm. And then we have the disc. So there's a lot of things we're going to be doing for community outreach to take the project around the city of Chicago and hopefully elsewhere too. So that's amazing. That's amazing. So, um, I think that's a, a great story about, um, people telling uh, about burners telling you to engage through the, um, the regional. I think that's a, um, it's a strong story. It's something that I tell people, I think that's fantastic. And then kind of discovering some of the culture that way. And that also gives me a little bit more understanding. So for people who don't know, this was Antoine's first year, which to me, it's, I mean, knowing that you've dealt with the regionals and those sorts of things, but it's a building a, a, a structure of the size that you built is audacious to an experienced, you know, well-seasoned burner that, um, that you took that on um, having never set foot on the playa before is you know it's a that's it's amazing it's amazing and um uh but i think that's a fantastic story about um starting with uh starting locally meeting the burners in your community finding out what really resonates in your community you know like you said the shaydiderad which i didn't know about but that's you know fantastic kind of you can imagine that burner energy 
you know, going into something uh, local like that. Um, so what you, you've got this, um, obviously this desire to merge these concepts of, you know, Afrofuturism, history, architecture, art. Um, was there something specific, you know, you, you'd, you'd heard about the core burns. So you knew about this notion of burning and you knew you were talking to people who had burned pieces before. For those who don't know, the core burns were uh, regional effigies that were done, uh, I don't know, maybe like six, seven years ago, where all the regionals, many of the regionals would bring smaller burns um, and uh, and burn them all on like a Wednesday night, I think. But so you'd had kind of some interaction with the notion of burning pieces so you could talk to other people who'd done it before. Um, but you you just decided at some point, you're like, I, I feel I want to do a large scale burn and I want to marry it to this Afrofuturist um philosophy so then the specifics of solar shrine that's got to you know w t talk about the process of that identifying that as the real um you know narrative of of the burn why that specific piece um yeah so so the solar shrine i've is like based on ancient egyptian and nubian cosmology and it centers around Ra, who was the the the, the represented the, the sun deity, he was it was the giver of life on earth, creator of the universe. But not only that, um, it also connects with the ancestors, because to me, you really have to go back to your ancestral beliefs and and revive that revive that energy. Also, in our communities, I think one of the major issues in the black black and brown communities, specifically African-American community, communities, is that we have to deal with our ancestral trauma. And so we need to be able to find these places of healing. And what is one of the better ways to do it through rebirth of the sun every day, sunrise rituals and things like that. But not only that, if you look at the solar shrine structure, first of all, the solar shrine structure is composed of, or was composed, now it's burned down, Mm -hmm. was composed of a 35 foot gateway right which is like the portal main entrance portal that framed the axis and then behind it was a shrine structure so basically the orientation was six degrees north of due east so that when the sun rolls over the mountains at burning man it pretty much rolls over like at 45 degrees the sunlight would go through the gateway um, bottom of the gateway and then hit the disc we have on, on the solar bark. So underneath the shrine structure, we have this 12 foot long um, Egyptian style solar bark with a two foot diameter disc on top made of brass. And this is an actual, it looks like an Egyptian solar bark. Um, it's, it's made like that. It's um, in terms of the design and profile, it's made of cedar strips. And then, you know, we basically epoxied it and then polyurethane and all that. And then on top of that, it, you have like these arms with the, with the brass disc on it. And the sun would hit the, it hit the disc exactly as the alignment. Like we predicted, we did the calculations. I work with astronomers, I work with um, uh, astronomers, local astronomers. And then I worked at another, with another astronomer who I developed a relationship from the University of Wisconsin to get the calculations right. And he basically, we've been working together now for um, probably about a year and a half. And so he just verified the calculations that we did to, did like two and two years ago, two and a half years ago. 
So, um, and it would, there was also a disc on top of, uh, on top of the gateway that's also two feet in diameter. And so it was really interesting because we had saw photographs of it actually working, you know, hitting the brass disc on top of, of the bark. And then when it rose up, you could see it like basically going in, in back of the disc on the gateway. So it was really, it was, uh, it was really amazing. But that's just like, you know, in a lot of like Egyptian Nubian temples, you would have the obelisks and the obelisk would be at the entrance of, of the temples. And then in our case, it's part obelisk. It's, it was part obelisk. It was part pyramid. It was Afrofuturistic. It was a skyscraper. You know, it was a stargate. It was all those things into like, you know, connecting into one piece. And the shrine structure, which goes back to the whole ancestral piece, uh, the, the, the shrine structure was um, designed like a mastaba in ancient Egyptian history. Mastabas were like these, these temples or these shrines to the ancestors. And so through the sun ritual, the ancestors were, you know, um, resurrected every day. And so that's why we had the sunrise ceremonies. And, you know, it was all those connections between the sun energy, energy and of, um, of rising and, and being born in, in, in the morning and then waning, you know, basically going into the underworld at night and just cyclical activity and, you know, very powerful rituals we wanted to like resurrect. So. Well, and I think that's really a powerful concept of um, as compared to uh, something that we could refer to as a sculpture or something we could refer to as a building. It's, it transcends sculpture and building to actual um, mechanism for ritual practice, right? It's, 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 it's not just um, a visual thing that looks beautiful that we look at it and we're like, Oh, that's a beautiful thing that you've made. It's, it's a machine. It's a, it's a device. It's a, it actually enacts this ritual in, in conjunction with the sun. It, it actually does the thing that it's, kind of representing so it's not just a representation Correct. of this of this Correct. ritual it is the it's, ritual. It's, it's, it's a physical element but like you were saying you also need people to activate it mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. like you said you know that's where we you know we we had like these events in the mornings where we had like music mm -hmm. we had like afrofuturistic music and we had dance and we had performances that were curated at the shrine so it's through those activations. So not only you have that, you have a physical edifice, edifice, um, but then you also need those that the human ritual component, the the communal aspect to activate that. Mm -hmm. So that's what we that's what we're trying to do. The spiritual, like the there spirit. has to be spirit in it to connect Correct. with it. Yeah. Correct. So, um, so you have we've now described the piece. We've described how it operates. You have this vision of wanting to make a piece you have some you have know-how because you've done some of this work with the regional you've met people who've done other burns so you have a certain kind of basis for this how how fully formed i i, I i'm kind of thinking this is a chronology right so how fully formed is this vision you know like when we let's start at the beginning, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to make a piece of Burning Man. Hey guys, hey everybody, let's make a bigger thing. And you say, you, like at that moment, you say, I got this idea for this solar shrine that would involve this brass disc and the sun and this tower and this, you know, 
like is that fully is is that had you already kind of imagined this when you know or is it does this go through iterations to get to this point no it was pretty pretty much fully formed at the very beginning about the, right. the sun disc and all that stuff in terms of the orientation and um I knew it could work because I had to research, you know, history and all, you know, all those things, not history of architecture and then knowing typology. So I knew it could work. Um, I just had to like go through and do some GIS, you know, research. G GIS um, meaning? Uh, ge geographic information systems and I'm just figuring out like what degree, you know, mm -hmm. number one, we sort of figured out from an astronomical um uh, uh, concept or uh, practicality that it was going to be six degrees north of, of, mm -hmm. of six degrees north of due east. However, one of the issues was like the mountains, how high are the mountains in the east side? And so we went through all that and that exercise and I worked with some GIS experts and we sort of figured out the topography and the elevations. And so we 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 knew that the sun, the angle and the height elevation and that everything would clear. And then also I was able to create a 3D model of what the mounds look like. And I was amazed that my 3D model really reflected out at Burning Man what it was, what the, what the mounds on the east would look like. The mountain, the surrounding mountains, because I put that in a 3D model and that from on my promo video, I did this rendering and animation and it was really accurate. So that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. So then let's let's talk about the um the design process of the structure right you yeah. you've got the, you you're an you're an architect so you're already coming to this with knowledge of materials you're coming to this with um i know how much um how thick a you know header beam i need for x y or z um di did you uh you know in this in this design process I guess one of the things that I've found interesting in some of the conversations I've had with, have with other artists is what are the limitations that um, you, you, you butt up against. Right. And so for some people um, like uh, in uh, with uh, dot, the dog, we talked about um, that they were uh, uh, that uh, Jen had decided that 20 feet was as high as she wanted to go. And so kind of that dictated a bunch of other things because of this 20 foot kind of height limit. Um, for some other people, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, uh, financing and that the budget is going to dictate certain aspects of it. But there's at a certain point, there has to be something that confines you to say, OK, this is how big it can be because of X, Y or Z. Are there, were there you know, are, can you talk about any of those sorts of um, things that came into your thought process when you're starting to solidify what the actual piece is going to look like? So. Basically, what the what um, created the parameters for me was the design. So I started mm -hmm. with the design and the proportions and the sacred geometry, and mm -hmm. that gave me my height limitations. And exactly as I designed this project, because I, I initially designed it in 2018, mm -hmm. I created the animation initially, the first animation in 2018, and because um, we were going to go in for the 2019 Burning Man. Right. Uh, event, but then the, the the grant cycle had closed. So then we waited in 2019 to apply for 2020, and then the pandemic came. So what really my constraints were based on sacred geometry and proportion. 
mm-hmm. proportions and, you know, the tower, making sure the tower had the right proportions and all those things. And so I didn't necessarily have like, well, I'm not going to build it 60 feet high. Um, I, I'm going to build it 35 feet high, the gateway or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that drove everything. Um, and then we, you know, we try, we, we raised funds for it. So. Right. So, so it's the math. All, all of it's the math, right? It, oh. The disc has to be here. This piece has to be here. Yes. So then this has to be this tall to be able to support that. This has to be Correct. this long. That's Correct. yeah, that's fantastic. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, uh, thought process? I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, the, the architecture, like the, our audience is one of the components of our audience is going to be somebody who's um, thinking that they might want to build a, a, a burn structure at some point. So, you know, you're bringing an immense amount of knowledge of architecture, which to me, one of the things that I, I tell people about um, large scale burns is that um, you can start, you can take classes and you can study and you can actually talk to other people about how to make the structure stable, um, how, you know, how, how strong it needs to be to withstand the wind. We can run calculations on wind exposure and you know, uh, wind cross section and things like that. But the, um, the burning part of it, um, from my experience, not a whole lot of software out there to model the burning component of it. So when you're designing this structure, you're thinking not only I need to be able to withstand, you know, X mile an hour wind, hundred mile an hour wind, um, at this height and with this wind cross section, but also I'm going to need to burn this at some point And I'm, so I'm going to need it to actually fail. Right. I mean, I need to fall over, which is a different skill set than I need to make sure it doesn't fall over. So uh, any, any thoughts about, um, you know, how, how you drew that in to your process? Well, so by it being like pure metal, you know, mm-hmm. it's three degrees and angles in three degrees to shrine and in the gateway, you know, it's going to fall in on itself unless they're like really bad wind storms um, like we've had this past, you know, event at Burning Man. So it I, we're not necessarily worried about it primarily like falling over because it already is at that three degrees. Um, but the gateway is interesting. You should bring that up because that was one of our conversations um, when we were talking to Faz um, about like how the gable will fall. We wanted it to fall towards the shrine. So what we basically did, and for people who don't know about the design of the shrine, the shrine has like dimensional lumber that is, that is a structure and then it's clad with like, it was clad with um, this poplar plywood mm-hmm. board. And so the plywood gave it its sheer, its strength from you know, from falling over or whatnot. So one of the things that we did for, in order for the gateway was to, to, to fall down towards the shrine was we cut panels, um, the, the panels or the poplar plywood off towards the, 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 the side that was towards the shrine. And that would basically, you know, it wouldn't be as strong. And so when it fell, it would fall into you know, the shrine structure. And that's pretty much what happened. When it and, so, it, and so you do that. Um, uh, when you say that, that's not something you do during construction. That's something you do during the hobbling phase. That's something just, that's something, just before. That's, that's before. So that happened Friday night. 
or Friday when we were planning for the burn that was to take place on Friday night. Um, so, okay. So, and I, I think I want to just um, put a pin in that in talking about that um, because I'm, I'm really want to get into uh, your experience uh, burning it. Cause I think uh, I only know part of the story and I'm excited to hear the rest of the story. Um, uh, let's let's do a let's do a quick run through like so we've we've kind of gone through um design and everything um are there any things you'd like to highlight about uh the build in chicago um you know things that uh things you thought went well things that you thought you could have done better at um advice you might have for other people but the the build off-site you know the, the pre-build portion of the project so the pre-build portion of the project, especially in Chicago, went really well. Mm. You know, we had a committed crew. We had like four build days a week, you know, at least four build days a week. Um, and it went really well, dedicated crew, people who some people had never put, picked up a drill or never picked up an impact driver. But by the time, you know, they had the, the project was made, you know, they'd had like gain these new skill sets. And so we had, we worked with some experienced carpenters, um, but I would say the majority, majority of the volunteers were not experienced, but they still, I mean, they, we made a really solid, um, well-constructed uh, shrine structure in Chicago with the modules and it had over like 30 modules, and, you know, including the columns, the, the stairwell components, uh, parts of the parapets and things like that. So. Um, that went really well. Um, every, people showed up. They were enthused, enthusiastic about it. And you've seen the shrine, so you know that there was a lot of love and care that went into it. Um, we specified the correct materials. We specified kiln-dry wood, which is more expensive, but it's mm -hmm. all the moisture's out. So when it gets in Playa, gets to the Burning Man, it's not really going to shrink that much. And we had mm -hmm. like good, you know, good plywood and things like that. So there was a lot of love and care and it fit real well at Burning Man. And then the gateway was built in Los Angeles. And so we we had the gateway built um, on the property of a, of a man named Steve Queen. Um, he's a burner, has been going to Burning Man for a long time. And we had some people from Los Angeles to work on that team as well. And um, that went pretty well. You know, that, was, that went pretty well also. I mean, he, he brought a lot of his general construction experience and background um, and uh, hammered it out. And I went you know, we had shipped two flatbeds from Chicago and one flatbed from LA um, with all the components of the project out, you know, the wood components. Mm -hmm. um, we still had to get a drive in from Chicago. So a lot of the pre-build went really well. You know, I can say you can do a good project if you have like, some carpenters, you know, with good carpentry experience and a lot of volunteers. And if they're dedicated with a lot of love, tender, loving care, um, you can have a good, you know, a good product. Um, and that doesn't often, that doesn't always translate to what's going to happen on Playa. And we, on Playa, we had some difficulties, adverse weather conditions. A lot of my team members, you know, from Chicago got there late for different reasons because of COVID, deaths in families other healthcare problems, car problems, you know, wife, one of my, one of my team members, his wife um, got injured 
while she was in Nevada. So, you know, that's like, that's like a bunch of, that's like eight people for my team. And so mm-hmm. that really sort of set us back a little bit, mm-hmm. but I had confidence that it could be built. You know, I knew from, you know, a structural standpoint, from an architectural standpoint, how we designed it, how we laid it out, you know, very, it was in modular. So, you know, I knew it could be done. It was just a matter of time. So, so the, the two things that, um, that come up for me as you're saying that one is, um, uh, I always think of these large scale pieces as um, not just being about building an actual object, but about being, building a community. And when you talk about uh, volunteers coming in with limited skill sets and that they acquire skills through their participation with the project, that is personally one of my favorite parts of any of these is seeing someone coming in who might be intimidated by a particular tool or might be intimidated by a process and you you show them how to do it. You give them the, the the you know the safety equipment and everything like that. And then tomorrow they come in and they go, "Do you have more of that? Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, do you can I, what, what else? Can I do more of that? Like now I've acquired this skill, I want to do more. And um, that's part of that love you're talking about. That it's uh, you see people grow and you see people you know really put their lives into the project. And I think that's um, that community that. Uh, occurs with a project is something that's uh, difficult to uh, tangibly document, but that is very present in uh, in the work and definitely in the final work. Um, another I wanna, thing I wanna, that I, I, yeah. also want, I want to say something too. We work with um, inner city high school students on the project. Mm-hmm. They came and worked mm-hmm. with us. We also work with a, a foundation in Chicago that deals with people who were formerly incarcerated and also have some mental issues. So we work with them. So it was really important to me, you know, being from inner city of, of Chicago, that I involve people from my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted to do. And that was a part of something that I had laid out as a part of my agenda, you know, when back in 2020, in 2019. And so we really, we, we set out to accomplish it and we did. And that's, that's seeing this thing as a greater entity than just the physical object like Correct. it's yeah. it's i mean it's it's really it's it's really powerful and i think that's the um that's the intention with uh these projects generally that is theoretically what the intention should be you know in my mind with these projects in general is how do we create community with them how do we how do we find ways to to involve you know all sorts of different people and and open their eyes to ideas that they might not have believed in. And I think that that's um, some people uh, discuss uh, uh, Burning Man itself as a permission engine and giving people the permission to imagine that they can be something other than what they have been told they're supposed to be. And um, that that's not just for the event itself, but that's a philosophy that then in theory permeates out into into each of us and then each of us carries forward out into the the greater culture and um you know i think you're 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 talking about um very eloquently the the ways that 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 can operate and you had vision of this ahead of time and again like it's it's really potent um what you brought your first time like it's 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 really it's really potent you know you you you're I'm I'm inspired by you know just you know what you're what you're talking about it's it's really it's really powerful stuff 
Thank you for the compliment. That's a, that's a big compliment. No, it's, Thank you. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so we're, and, and you ran into these setbacks during build um, on Playa. Um, I'm going to just say from my experience, and I was dealing with a lot of projects this year, I was talking to a lot of different people that there were a lot of uh, setbacks people faced this year. There were a lot of really weird, random things that came up that, you know, some people could say it's just because we hadn't been to Burning Man and, several years but also just there's just a lot of a lot of weird stuff going down with people just getting there and then mm-hmm. once we were there um obviously there were some uh weather conditions during build week that um made build week uh this year particularly challenging so i think that set a lot of people back um i'm i'm sure that impacted you and set you back from the schedule you wanted to have 100% yes yeah 100% yeah. Um, I would say that definitely set us back. Um, I think that, uh, the, the, the dust storms, 10 days of dust storms, two days of Mm -hmm. rain. So Mm -hmm. it rained my first day, I got there. Um, the dust storms are really bad. Um, Welcome to Burning Man. The dust storms are really bad. The first night I got there, then it rained for like a couple hours. And then more dust storms. And then the next day, it rained really heavy for a couple hours, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then the dust storms, it's like 10 days of continuous dust storms. It was, it was pretty mm-hmm. brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, I think that not having my Chicago crew there, where we had worked together, had the synergy. And mm-hmm. like the, weird, the weirdest things happened. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so that really set us back. You know, mm-hmm. because it taxed. We had a, a small crew having to do everything, having to carry the load for that amount of time in the heat and the dust storms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough it was this tough. year. Yeah, um, you got the piece up. Yes. Um, and I I, gonna... I, must, I must say this too. I want to thank all the people who volunteered because we did solicit, you know, volunteers. Um, through the artery and through mm-hmm. some of the other camps, um, we were able to get some people with experience, some people with not so much experience, and they came in, and then my team members, they came and they arrived, and then it, it happened. So mm-hmm. things really got moving. You know, they were getting moving, you know, but they were they 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 went for it. And I think one of the things that that transpired was that a lot of times people wanted to, you know, we put the call out for volunteers, but you know it. People also have to build their camps. They have to build their art projects and then they can, you know, they can come and help you. So we received a lot of help. And I want to say thank you to, you know, the community of volunteers and Bernie Man for putting the word out and things like that. So mm, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and so you, you get it finished. And I'm going to comment on that, that it was beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was the surfaces. Um, your choice for the surface material, um, to me, like, um, it hearkened to like, a you know, to really, um, a cl- classical Egyptian temple, you know, uh, surfaces, like it, it, it transcended plywood for me, you know, it gets a little bit of playa on it and it really kind of turns into this other material. And it really, um, I, I, the piece itself was, uh, was just gorgeous. You know, I, I think that's, um, you know, so you, you complete it, you have this gorgeous, um, fantastic piece 
um, you got to be exhausted. Um, it's now going to exist for X number of days, four, five days before Friday. Right. It was supposed right. to. It was supposed yeah. to. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So should I take you through the chronology of that? Yeah, sure. I was, oh, I, yeah. You, you, as far as you want to go chronology, I, that's exactly what I want to hear. So we were supposed to open up and it's, it's in, we were supposed to open up on Sunday, but due to delays, we got delayed until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And so we, 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 we had like Wednesday and then it was to burn on Friday. So we had mm-hmm. like two days where it was really open and, um, yeah, so that that's pretty much the chronology of how that happened. And then it was the burn on Friday. So we start taking things down out of the shrine, like the lighting, some of the flame effects that we sort of put up in there a little bit. Um, and all the other like equipment that, you know, that shouldn't burn. So we take that out. And we then prepare for the burn on Friday night. So Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so... Uh, so the, the the last day is usually um, it's all cordoned off, so the public can't be in it anymore. While you're extracting things out, you're um, making preparations. You're maybe starting to hobble it so that um, you know b- doing structural damage to it that it would you know for when it is going to burn um, things of that nature. And then um, uh, yeah, so then I'd I'd love to hear your chronology of Friday night. I was there Friday night. And I was there until probably two in the morning Friday night, just because I was there with um, art support services, uh, getting lights on the piece. So I, 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 I kind of experienced from the from the outside that uh, narrative. But I would love to hear your chronology. I mean, there's there's a point, there's a go no go point that occurs with the weather where they say, you know, uh, we can fuel it, and then. You have to get you, you get a, the go ahead to fuel it, and then you have to get the go ahead to actually ignite it. Did you ever get the go ahead to fuel it on Friday night? So what had happened was we had to get 103 like perimeter volunteers, right. right? And so that took up a little bit more time. So I think that we had the majority of people lined up about like 9:30, 9:40, or something like that. And as soon as people got into, you know, we the the volunteers were getting in position, the last ones is when the dust storm started. Mm-hmm. So then the dust storm started and they went off at least four hours. But mm-hmm. two hours, after two hours, Burning Man called it and said, no, we they're not going to do it. They were not going to burn it. And then they told me that they wanted to have a meeting with me the next day, you know, at the artery. And so we met mm-hmm. and talked about some of the plans of what they thought that they could accomplish. And due to some of the resources and you know, it's such a big, it was a big project with a big perimeter. Um, they already had to do the man, which was Saturday night. And then Sunday night was the temple. They had two big, two big burns that they felt that they were under-resourced for it. And so they said that they would do it, you know, towards the end of the following week when people had left, you yeah. know, because you have to have the perimeter for safety and things like that. But if you only have like staff, like DPW or FAST there, they can mm-hmm. burn it. And I, I had always um, known about that potential outcome because uh, a couple of years ago, I was talking to someone who works for FAST and they were saying sometimes if there's like 
really strong winds and dust storms, they, you know, they may not be able to burn the piece. So that eventuality was something I had thought it was in the back of my mind. You know, I just didn't know, like, since most of the pieces burn, you know, I was thinking that my piece would burn too, but it just didn't have that outcome. So I was not on the playa when they mm. burned the piece, you know, um, I had, I left that morning because, um, pretty much my camp had already left, you know, they turned like the pumps off for the water, you know, we, mm. we were doing leave no trace, you know, we did the majority of leave no trace and all that stuff. I think I had like a couple other, a few other campmates, you know, that were left on Playa. Uh, we left like on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and they burned it Thursday night. So, and they were saying that they were going to burn it, try either Thursday, Friday, Saturday, depending on the weather, because they didn't know the dust storms had been just really bad. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. Well, I, that, that dust storm Friday night uh, of your burn, that was the worst dust storm I've ever been in. And I've been there for a long time. I've never been in a dust storm that lasted that long and that intense it was uh, we couldn't even find the piece and i was in a pickup truck with ass and they had gps on the piece and we were like 15 feet from the perimeter and we're like we don't know where we are and i got out and i found a road cone i'm like oh here's the perimeter like it was so bad you couldn't see i mean it was an intense there 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 was something uh like transcendent about that that storm it was it was some powerful stuff and um I didn't know that you, so this is the first time I'm hearing that you didn't actually even see it burn. Not I mean, in person. I, not, not yeah, in person. I did see a video. I've seen a video. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that at all? Like, I mean, there's, I, I mean, I, I, I'll open it up. Anything you want to talk about with any of that? I mean, there's, this is, we're talking a lot of technical stuff about it, but there's um, a massive um, emotional and philosophical component to um, burning your, artwork and it's a gift right i mean that's a key component of this is that the the piece you've made the piece you make is a gift to the community and the burning of it to me is a, a a fulfillment of that offer of the gift is that you're completely releasing it to the community to the universe you know it's a complete release um but uh to not not be present for that release i i think that's complex I think it's sort of complex too. You know, I, I did sort of feel weird some. Um, but then, you know, I talked to people. Um, you know, I, I was I was okay at this. After, I, I, it was sort of complicated. My feelings were complicated, you know, for a while. But then, like, I talked to people who, you know, work for DPW, and they were saying uh, how how nice the burn was. And like how they really, you know, it's not Burning Man for them, it's Working Man. So they work mm-hmm. throughout the whole event. Mm-hmm. And so it was really mm-hmm. cathartic for them to like mm-hmm. actually experience a burn. And so I didn't, I felt it was really good. I felt like if Burning Man, the, the, the crew members and the volunteers at Burning Man, if they, if they felt that that was their burn and it was also, I think that I felt very good about that. So, yeah, I'm 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 I was OK with it. I was OK with it. Sort of weird a little bit not being around for your own burn and. Um, um, but, you know, after talking to people 
and saying that, you know, this was also something that they thought was a gift to them. I, you know, in terms of the people that work for Burning Man, DPW, you know, and, and others and fast members, I, I was okay with it. I felt the release mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a powerful concept. Um, and, you know, for people who, even for burners who, who have been going to Burning Man, who, who don't necessarily give a whole lot of consideration to uh, what it means to work DPW and what it means to, um, to, to, to build the city, to clean up, to tear the city down, to clean up after everybody's gone and the, that not to be able to experience Burning Man the same way that the participants experience it, um, that then your piece becomes a gift for them. That's a, that's a surprise, right? That's a, couldn't see that one coming. No, that's a I powerful couldn't. one. No, I couldn't see it coming, but for me, that gave me closure because yeah. Burning Man has given me so much. They've given me the opportunity to be like a first-time burner, never going to Burning Man, to get an honorarium, to get support. You know, I did, um, I was a part of the um, Desert Three Arts preview mm-hmm. back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then I did, um, I did a podcast, I believe last year in 2021. And then I also did another like virtual type of um, art speaks of um, uh, event or uh, taping um, mm-hmm. with uh, some members from the Burning Man team and then another artist. And they've given me so much that, you know, I think that, you know, after thinking about it in terms of some introspection and I felt that um, it being a gift to them was I was totally fine with it. Yeah, no, I get that. That's that's amazing. That's I mean, it's it, you know so much gratitude, right, for that for that that you get that opportunity to do something that you know many people haven't done. Now you you've given them a gift. That, I mean, you're in a, a select few people who've ever done that. You know, that's a that's that's really powerful. I keep the thing that's coming up for me as you as you talk through this and you talk through um, the amount of support you got. Um, the honorarium, you know, all of those things. Um, the thing that comes up for me is um, I always, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm talking to, you know, artists who are, who are doing their first, you know, their first piece, one of the things that, uh, you know, they're, wor- they're concerned about how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to make this happen? Um, I, I, I try and refocus them back on their vision because I, I believe that if um, the vision is good if the vision is solid if um the vision is um honest then the other pieces will come into alignment that others will sense the 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 clarity and the intention of the vision and others will align themselves with it and they will come to support it and i think that that's to me that's what you experienced you experienced a um, you you know, as you laid your vision out, as you've discussed it here, in the totality of it, right? The the three sixty of it, right? The the vision for the 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 structure, the piece, you know, how it aligns with the universe and the sun, but then also how it aligns with you know Afrofuturism and your goals, and how it aligns with your community, how it aligns with Chicago how it aligns with all of those things. There's like, 
you know, it's it's flawless, right? It's it's a it's a complete and total understanding of you know what the intention is there, and I think that's you know to me if there's a message that I hear coming out of that, it's dig deep and find that authentic message, that authentic connection, and find that resonance. And if you if you do that, these other things come to it. That's that support, you know, in in retrospect, I can say this in retrospect, but in retrospect, I'm not surprised by the support you found by the by what came to support you by what came to lift you up, because the, you know, the the vision was so clear, the vision was so, you know, so clean, so pure, so, you know, intentional. Um, uh, that was really you, good. You, you you basically said it you, you basically given me like uh, uh how can i say that you talk me up a lot <laughs> <laughs> well but it's true though it's true though like you know it you're, you're not you're not you know you're not just kind of taking some swipes out there and be like ah this might work ah, i think this is a good idea it's like no there's a reason i'm doing this there's a reason i'm doing this and you said i don't know how many times you told us that it's like six degrees north of east right like intention right. like you know it's yeah. here i it's got to be here and that 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 isn't just the physical placement of the piece there's you know every other component of it you know mm -hmm. aligned with that level of thoughtfulness and precision so i mean i think um yeah i i, I thought it was a great piece i i was excited uh i was excited to see it burn and i stood out there for like five hours Oh, wow. <laughs> like, well, I, you know, I was, I mean, it, it, that was a cathartic experience, you know, being out there watching it not burn, you know, that was a, that was a, for me, that was a, um, that's a critical part of my Burning Man this year was being, was being out there uh, with the piece on, on Friday night. That's some, that's a story that I tell a lot of people because that was a really, that was a really critical part of, of kind of the trauma, right? There was a lot of, that was a lot of trauma wrapped up in that Friday night. Like mm -hmm. there was a lot, you know, oh, yeah. and that's a lot of a lot of communal trauma Correct. wrapped up in right. that. I found I found one of my campmates. I was out there, and I was luckily in an uh, art support services pickup truck. I found one of my campmates who was who I had said, "Hey, go do perimeter on this piece." He was like, "I'm thinking about doing perimeter." I'm like, "Oh, if you're gonna do perimeter, you're gonna do it on Solar Shrine." I found him out there, and I just recognized him because of his hat. He was like curled up in a ball laying on the playa trying to wait out this dust storm and i was like get your bike in the back of the pickup truck like mm -hmm. you know like the trauma there was a mm -hmm. lot of trauma around that friday night mm -hmm. and so it's but that's the growth comes from that too you know 100 that's where the you know you dig in and you find out who you are and you find out who your people are but um yeah no um what else what else can you tell me I, that's i i've heard everything i wanted I, I expected to hear out of this conversation. Um, you're you're gonna go back. A hundred percent. I'm coming back yeah. next year. Yeah. Uh, I would say at this point, probably now with an art project, but I want to volunteer on someone else's project. I want to give yeah. back to to, to um, yeah. another camp or you know another artist and um, yeah, you just uh, build community. That's my big yeah. thing for this year going yeah. forth. I want to build community. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I will amazing. be doing, I do want to do more art in the future. So mm -hmm. we'll just have to see. Hey, so that was a, that was a, um, may, maybe a little tidbit to just go back to, because you said, at what point, um, 
at what point do you decide what point did you decide you were an artist Hmm, that's a good, that's a very good question. I would say back in 2018, you know, around that time when I, you know, um, started coming up with the, the Solar Shrine is when I felt I was an artist. But, you know, I, I was probably considered myself first more an architect. Um, because before that, I had like some other pop-up pavilion type structures I was thinking of and wanting to construct and do things like that. But I really didn't get any forward motion with that in Chicago, um, which is actually a good thing that Burning Man really, you know, they gave me the honorarium and things like that because Burning Man is one of the largest platforms in the world. And so people now will take me a little bit more seriously. Um So I would say probably by 2018. And then I did a piece last year. I've, you know, I've got like, you know, always have other ideas and things like that. But I did a piece last year called the Ancestral Totem. And that um, is installed in Death Valley, Nevada. It's near uh, Beatty, Beatty, Oh, wow. Nevada. Yeah. And it's Right. a big, it's a big steel sculpture. Um, it's about 10 feet tall. And instead of it being like an altar for the sun when it rises, it's actually, it deals with the sun going into the West. And it's basically, it's doing what's called the Goldwell uh, Biennial, uh, Goldwell Museum Biennial. That happens October 30th, October 29th to 31st. And so basically that particular sculpture is like, 17, 18 degrees south of due west. And so the sun sits directly on top of like this shape, the semicircular shape, which is like a sun altar. And so it's connected with the ancestors. It's, we have like, had like these torches at the cardinal directions and like, um, like a ceremonial circle of rocks and torches and things like that. But I would like to, I wanted to say that also Like Halloween is in the Day of the Dead. It's close to the Day of the Dead. So it's a Halloween. That's when that veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest. And so it was basically to connect with those, those ancestral energies. So I have done some other art outside of that, other, you know, things like um, concepts or whatnot like that. So I would say the Genesis was back in like 2018. That's what really got me going. Um, and so it's just now I can call myself, I felt, you know, like, you know, since that time that I could call myself an artist. Right, right. No, it's a, it's a, it's a breakthrough, right? It's, it's an interesting moment when you decide I'm an artist. I, I can, you know, that it transcends being an architect. It transcends being an engineer. It transcends being a builder or anything like that. It's like, no, I conceptualize and then I make things that exist in the universe. Like that's a, it's a potent thought. And it goes back to me, the permission engine of Burning Man is Burning Man gives us the permission to be, say we're artists, you know, and like, and do it and like be artists. Yeah. Amazing. 100%, 100%. Yep. No matter how, no matter, no matter how big or small, you know? Well, and to, to me, I mean, I'm super proud of you, you know, doing this massive piece and then saying, okay, next year, I think I might volunteer, but it's also an interesting thing that you discover, like when you do the super big piece, you discover what it provides you with. But also you're like, oh, well, it does a specific thing. And then maybe smaller things 
are better suited for other things, you know, but that, you know, you, you now know what the big thing does and the big thing's very specific. It does very specific things, but the small thing or the medium sized thing and knowing that there's a spectrum, but I think there's a lot of, you know, you want to do the big thing, you know, and then you discover, okay, well, the big thing isn't the answer to everything. Like, yeah, it's amazing, but it's not the, it's not the one size fits all. It doesn't open every you know, it doesn't unlock every lock, but it is a specific kind of key. Yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah. And I also, I also think that like people have given me so much that I want to give back mm -hmm. and I want to like, you know, just give back to the community and mm -hmm. yeah. 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 That's awesome. Cool. Well, this was fantastic. It was really great to hear about your journey. Um, if there's anything else you want to add, uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to put in the show notes, I'm going to put your, um, uh, your social media info so people can follow you and keep up with you. And if they want to be parts of, you know, your other projects going forward and uh, find out more about you and stuff like that. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Great. Well, terrific talking to you and thanks everybody for joining today. And uh, I appreciate all of you. I appreciate Antoine. I appreciate everybody who listened today. Thanks so much. And there you have it. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Bill Zunkin for his cover of Burning For You by Blue Oyster Cult. You can find him on Instagram at B-I-L-L underscore Z-S-U-N-K-A-N. For more information on this episode and the podcast in general, including links to websites and Instagrams of our guests and your host, you can head over to buildtoburn.com. Build to Burn is a part of the Burner Podcast Network. Be sure to check out Burner Podcast for a wider view of Burning Man and dig down into other Burner Podcast Network shows for facets of the community. Thanks to Arash for all the work he does. Thanks to Raz for his expertise. And as always, thank you for having the fire that brings light into this world. <laughs>